Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Seth. It's weird to be talking to you on a Thursday. It is. Yeah, I was like trying to think of a Thursday specific greeting, but I couldn't come up with one. No, I don't think that's okay. I know we put a lot of pressure on our greetings, but I think that's fine. Okay, thanks. Well, today, on this Thursday, we have something a little bit different for our listeners. We thought we would walk through the assigned lectionary text for this Thursday, maybe ask some different questions, and maybe use a different format, try something new, and we'll see how it goes. How's that sound, Jonathan? Sounds great. I'm up for it. Well, let's skip what would you do in this particular situation Uh, this week. We'll, We'll hold that. We'll bring it back on Easter. Exactly. Will resurrect it on Easter? Too soon? Sorry. (laughs) No, that was good. I wish I would have thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) How about you read us the beginning of our text for today? Awesome. I will. So all of our readings today come from John chapter 13, and our first reading is verses 1 through 5. Before the festival of Passover... Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. Right, so a famous scene from this reading that we often look at on this Maundy Thursday during Holy Week. What are you thinking about this passage? I'll be honest, I don't really like washing feet, and I've only done it twice. It's a strange thing. Yeah, I just don't really like feet, so I like, (laughs) I try and avoid it, to be honest. Like, I'm much more content watching other people wash feet than doing it myself. Even having my feet washed is is a weird experience for me. Yeah, I think... This cult, the cultural difference in this practice is one of the most stark, I think. There are several, but in the Gospels especially, this is something that just doesn't translate as well. You have to do some more translation work, at least, to give it the right context. But with you and I both participating in services, especially when we were attending at and worshiping at an Anabaptist institution... Foot washing was kind of a big deal. And yeah, I I get the sentiment. I get the power behind it. I've experienced the power behind it. It's just me personally participating in it. There's some barrier for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that is. I do have a theory, though. And I have to credit Abby with a lot of this theory. My spouse and partner, she often talks about her feet as kind of representative of how her body is feeling. And so Mm -hmm. when she talks about 
like getting a foot massage or something like that. She talks about it as soul care, intentionally playing on the words to both talk about yeah. like being restorative to her physical feet, but also to herself. And I'm wondering if there's some sort of maybe vulnerability that comes with our feet that makes us more hesitant in addition to kind of the cultural expectations that we have or don't have. I don't know. Just a thought. I'm wondering if there's something physiological about it for us that makes it kind of a challenging experience or one that makes our walls go up. Yeah, now I'm thinking of like ways that I guard my feet. <laughs> like sometimes I stick my foot out under the covers when I'm hot, but sometimes I'm like, no, nah, I, I want to keep it under the covers, even though I'm like sweating profusely. Like right. there's something about my feet right there like we feel this need to protect it mm -hmm. but as you're saying it seems like it's it's symbolic of, of our entire selves right it's not just our feet we're thinking about and it's it's strange to have something that's so strong also be so sensitive you know like for those of us yeah. who are able-bodied our feet have a sense of i don't know there's like a strength to them they carry a lot they literally do and that connects to what we're talking about and yet if you step on a, a rock the wrong way or a Lego, <laughs> you know, that that pain is also so drastic. Oh, yeah, I wonder if there's there's something there. You know, again, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet was a more common cultural practice, but not for someone in Jesus' position to do. Yeah, do you want to say more about that? When everyone's wearing sandals, walking around the desert, <laughs> you know your feet are going to get real nasty. Oftentimes, the role of the host was to ensure that the guests' feet were washed, but not by them. It was essentially a service provided, and in a practice that really does translate to our day, the folks who would do that work kind of remained invisible. The, the fact that they were doing that kind of meant that they were lower and lesser than the folks whose feet they were washing. But Jesus kind of turns that all on its head because the disciples know who he is they know that he's the greatest among them and yet he is taking this place of diminished status this place that is considered maybe even shameful and is embodying that with the fullness not only his own being but the fullness of god and is doing this very low common task for them do they still have people in big cities who shine shoes? I can wonder if this, if that's a way to think about what this is like. Mm. Like it's like if someone who wears the fancy shoes, who would usually have them shined, like right. if they would stop and and do the, the cleaning. I don't know if that's an, a relevant analogy. To be honest, this is good. I feel very present in in the story right now. Are we ready to move on to the next section? Before we move on to our next section, let's pray first. Selfless God, in the hours before your death, you showed true humility, washing the disciples' feet and loving them fully. Wash what is unclean from us, our bitterness, impatience, greed, tribalism, and our self-centered attitudes, and love us fully despite these. Amen. Amen.
All right. How about you take the next reading? Sure. This is John 13, verses 6 through 17. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must watch each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their masters, nor are those who were sent greater than the ones who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. All right, so you brought us a little deeper into the story. Uh, I mean, honestly, for me, I'm appreciative of the additional depth. I also love this story. I know we've talked about it on the podcast a few times, but Peter, just being Peter here, (laughs) just give me a bath. That's what it means. The other thing, though, is it, it feels I, I feel some tension in those last few verses where Jesus is encouraging his disciples to serve others just as he has served them and also is saying servants aren't greater than their master, hmm. nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. And so it, there seems to be some sort of playing with the power dynamics and the relationships here in a way that's really, I don't know, the word that comes to mind is honestly whimsical. There's depth to it and there's subversion to it, but honestly, it's just like, stop taking all these roles so seriously. These are the disciples who I think will later on continue to argue about who the greatest among them is. And here's Jesus giving them a very different example of what that looks like. Those last lines feel like when Jesus explains it because, like, they haven't gotten the point yet, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, like, clearly Simon Peter isn't getting this. Let me see if I can, if I can explain it a little bit more for them. Yeah. And it still doesn't really seem like they're getting it, just like you talked about. It's still later. They're still bickering about who's the greatest. Like, it's so fascinating. Like, even when Jesus spells it out. I guess because it's just so, it's so countercultural. It's so hard for them to grasp. So here we are at dinner with Jesus and the disciples. He's talking about all this foot washing. Peter's making a fool out of himself once again. (laughs) And we're here in this moment and just wondering what it means to take on take on Jesus' washing, even when we feel like we don't deserve it, you know? There's so, I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that I have more to say about that. That's just something that's resonating with me. 
maybe we maybe there's more to this story. Is there anything else you wanted to share now, or what do you think? We can go on to our last section. Yeah, I think we can move on. Maybe we should pray again. Sounds great. Let me pray for us. Life-giving God, you wash Peter's feet despite his protests. Let your love wash over us despite our feelings of unworthiness. And let your love teach us to follow you, even taking on the shame of foot washing, that we may be happy when we do. Amen. Amen. All right. Our last reading from John 13 comes from a little bit later in the chapter. This is John 13, verses 31 through 35. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I'm going, you can't come. I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. One of my favorite passages and verses there. Yeah, me too. Seems like there's a lot of ways that people show or try to show that they're Jesus' disciples that aren't necessarily loving each other. Yeah. And, and it's also striking for Jesus to say earlier, just as I have done, you also must do. And now what I'm about to do you can't do where I'm going. You can't come. It's an amazing invitation to consider what's actually before us as followers of Jesus. Jesus isn't calling us to be Jesus. Jesus is calling us to follow God's ways, to embrace and embody God's love, to wash each other's feet, to subvert and turn on its head power dynamics and treat everyone as someone worthy of being welcomed into a home, giving us that invitation to offer love to one another as Jesus has loved us, and not just as an optional expedition into something new and adventurous like we're doing with this Mm. episode format. This is the (laughs) identifying marker for Jesus' disciples when they love each other. Isn't that one of the first contemporary Christian music songs like in that genre? Isn't it, they will know we are Christians by our love? Mm-hmm. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll mm-hmm. know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They'll know we are Christians by our love. It seems disarmingly simple, doesn't it? We sure as hell make it a pretty complicated, though. <laughs> and of course, it is complicated. Love is complicated. But it is a lot simpler to make that the foundation of everything we do. Mm-hmm. Rather than any sort of 
effort for personal gain. I don't know. It just makes it a lot simpler, or at least makes the complexity a little bit clearer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I'm thinking of the Henry Nouwen quote. He says, for, for Jesus, there are no countries to be conquered or ideologies to be imposed. There are only people, women, men, and children to be loved. Again, it, it sounds so easy, right? <laughs> it sounds, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. It sounds so easy. But the way that love manifests itself is always much more complicated than just love. That's one thing I appreciate about this passage. It's in, I don't think that it like waxes over the, those hmm. tensions. Yeah. Yeah, especially in light of Judas leaving just before this. The fact that this conversation and this new commandment comes immediately following Jesus' betrayal. It's not, they'll know you're my disciples when you stick by me to the end. Or that because you remain loyal to me and me alone. But that you remain loyal to one another as I have remained loyal to you. You want to talk about shifting power dynamics and turning those things on their head. You want to talk about a gospel story like we talked about recently Mm. that turns the idea of empire on its head. That's a pretty profound message. It is. Should we end on that note? I think so. At least for now. We'll continue our journey with Jesus to the cross tomorrow. But I think I'm enjoying this opportunity to pause and reflect on what it means to love each other. And that seems like something that we should pray about. Loving God, you are overflowing limitless love. Help us to be vessels of this love too. For in doing so, we show our commitment to the one who is love incarnate, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.